Welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 5.15, where it's been a birthday week. the big news of the weekend? Uh, I don't know. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> that Giannis went to Culver's? Are you, Did you the Greek freak? Yes. I mean, all right. How many other people do you know named Giannis? Uh, not very many. Is there another one? I don't think so. Okay. It's brain. sort of like Jameis. Like, you don't even have to say Jameis Winston. If you just say Jameis, people aren't going to be like... Maybe. But he's kind of like old news. Well, sure, but remember when you went to seventh grade with that person named Jameis? <laughs> oh, oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. I, I don't think Jameis is like quite in like the Oprah-Kobe category where we just like... Well, there are Kobe's universe. now. Well, there are many Kobe's. No, but there's still just one Kobe. Well, Buffkin? D- depend on the context, but if you came up to me and just said Kobe, we know who you're talking about. What if you went up to Jet Howard and said Kobe? <laughs> Oprah is the... She, her and LeBron, those are the two that are like, that is... Like, are you just waiting the for... The pinnacle like, of owning your own name. So, I remember when I was follow When I first really started following college football recruiting. Do you think that Cornelius Johnson has ever met any other Corneliuses? That's an interesting question. I, I don't know that I've met an actual Cornelius. I've talked about him, but anyway, so what I was going to say is that when I first started following college football recruiting, it was probably 2011, 12 in that range. And like all of every other person was named Shaq because of like yeah. the timing of like this is what 17 year olds and then like now you're getting the kobe's yep. and then in a few years it's going to be the lebrons right maybe like, that's just sort of how well you're you the trend goes about the like how jalen rose was like literally the first person ever yeah jalen and then like you can just like, trace exactly when right you know, like that's fascinating to me but it's like whoever the most popular basketball player is like like that's the kobe thing that was the sure. that was well, the jalen thing kind of this and then the Shaq thing was big because like oh look at all the guys in the nfl now they're named Shaq and that have come through yeah it's also a thing that baby names come back around that is that is true so like my brother's like grade at like you know his young you know like when he was in elementary school and stuff like there were a lot of people with like old person names like eleanor has come back around eleanor yeah um names like that dorothy i don't think met any dorothy's but gertrude i have a cousin who's daughter name is josephine josephine yeah from like the 1400s 1200s uh when was henry the eighth uh 1500s 1500s that was kind of close okay so we've gotten off track giannis went to culver's did you hear his quote no after patrick put this in the hockey cast for us but i think i'm going to go to culver's i'm going to get 50 cheeseburgers and try to eat as many as i can you know why i'm going to culver's because Chick-fil-A did not give me no free meals. I know Culver's will give me free meals. I trust Culver's. Now, if that isn't a direct quote well, from you... Based on that quote, it sounds like he's been to Culver's many times. <laughs> well, either that or he's really stocking up. He's a frequent patron. How many cheeseburgers from Culver's could you eat? Now, uh, I don't normally order the cheeseburgers. You don't? No. That's All right. The... So, can we tell people what you get? No. Because <laughs> then they're going to go and <laughs> it's going to be the new big hit. Uh, I just wondered, would you go to Culver's with Giannis? Uh, sure. 
<laughs> I've taken people to Culver's for their first time. Several times. Maybe I, three times. There are people that work for MGO or do some sort of work for MGO in some fashion that have texted me, hey, I'm going to Culver's. <laughs> and I was like, do you think I'm Alex? <laughs> well, I got tagged in a Culver's-related tweet like a week ago. You did? Uh, yeah, I think it was from Hoover Street Rag. Uh, what did he say? Was Patrick tagging you through. I don't. Oh remember. yeah, yeah, I remember were, that. Were you, no, were you the one that tagged? I, yeah, I tagged you okay. because I was wondering if you were there. Uh, no, but it, it was, was the one there. in Belleville. He said, "I go to that one a decent amount." Do you really? Yeah, it's closer to where I live. Oh, that's true. But Even you? Though, not really. I mean, I live kind of equidistant between the one on uh, Jackson Road and the one in Belleville. Okay. Well, we always go to the one on Jackson Road. Yeah. Even though it's a long ways away, but sometimes they forget your sandwich. Never happened to me. No, well... Just for you. You're special. Okay, so the other thing... That was the first thing we had did to talk about. Very important. The second thing is is we have a bit of news. We're going to try something this week. Uh-oh. And see how it goes. Uh, we have talked to the big boss, and we are going to attempt to do a watch-along during a Michigan hockey game, which means if you... We will stream us walk watching... Not walking. Watching and talking the game, but you will not be able to see the game because, well, Craig wanted to show the game, and then we told him that he would have to be the lawyer that would defend the suit <laughs> when yeah, yeah. it comes <laughs> very quickly. Um, so, I've, have you ever seen one of these before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, the uh, Sportsnet does them with Steve Dangle. Oh, do they? Yeah. Okay. Well, people do them, right? They just put a camera on them, and then they just talk the whole time? Yeah, the thing about the Sportsnet one with Steve Dangle is that because it's through Sportsnet, you also get to watch the game. Okay. So the game is on, like, the main screen, and then yeah. there's Steve Dangle on the side. The thing about that that was funny is that, because he does them every Saturday. Um, every Saturday? Yeah. Okay, for, do you watch them? Most, uh, maybe not every Saturday, but a lot of Saturdays. But then in the playoffs, they do every Every Leafs game is watch a Leafs game with Steve Dangle So the playoffs. do you do that when you watch Leafs playoff games? No, but <laughs> after the game, I always pull it up and just see when like the moments happen. Well, the thing about the reason I brought it up is in the playoffs, they had him hooked up to a heart rate monitor on the screen. <laughs> like he was literally a zoo animal. <laughs> <laughs> or like he's on the Apollo mission. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try this. Uh, if we can figure out how to do it and get all of the stuff right... Uh, Craig is very interested. Brian said he would do it. He told me I'll try not to embarrass myself. So, uh, I suppose that's on the table. I guess the preliminary one would be the four of us, me and you, and, and Craig and Brian. I mean, we watch a number of games together anyway. I've watched a few of the DNVR Avalanche games that way where they their cast will you know, watch a game and then you kind of talk about it. And sometimes when you get bad announcers, you're like, I'd rather just listen to literally anyone else. So... You can tell if you think that we're good or bad announcers and leave that in the com- We're not going to do play-by-play, but just commentary on games and sort of the process that we go through. Uh, if there are, like, four people that watch it and no one cares, maybe we won't do it again. Otherwise, we will go from there. It seems like a fun thing to do uh, to at least interact with fans, or you can just sit there and laugh at us as we go ride the emotional roller coaster that is michigan hockey that'll be friday at seven it's on valley sports detroit extra i guess which sounds it sounds like that's like a streaming channel but i don't think it is it's just the 707 right right so they have 901 is that the it's well there's one that's what 201 is the real one that's or 32 or 201 which one's the diet that's 
What? <laughs> Regular and okay, diet. Okay. I went for a joke there. So 707 is the other one. So if you have cable, which basically there's three people left in Ann Arbor that have cable, and two of them are in this room. Hey, I will always Maybe. defend cable for live sports. We don't need to open that. No, we don't need to open that can of worms. Um, so that could be something that's fun that you could take in if you have a tablet or a second TV and you want to see some MGO action, we uh, may provide that for you. If we get five viewers, I will be happy. Five? I mean, we have enough people that we could pay to do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sue, go in the other room and watch it. (laughs) Just log into your computer. Please clap. That's uh, right, with the applause sign. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I think that's a go. We're going to figure it out. Hopefully it doesn't go as badly as it could. Um, but should be a good time. All right. Now we're going to talk about the two hockey, I was going to call them games that Michigan played this weekend, but that would feel like it would be being pretty generous. Uh, they were more curb stompings. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, they just weren't competitive games. No. Um, we'll go through them. So the first thing of note that's interesting is that you have no Truscott or Casey all weekend. Uh, Mackie Samuskevich is back, which... I don't think any of that mattered in this series whatsoever, but it's good that Mackey's back on the ice because, you know, they're definitely going to need him going forward, and they'll probably need Truscott and Casey going forward as well. Hopefully we see them, and it was just somewhat preliminary. I did not get an official ruling on injuries, but um, they did not skate. Brendan Miles skated, I believe, on Saturday. He was dressed on Friday, but... Well, Steve Holtz was back. The Steve other Holtz! They published a story in the USCHO about... Uh, the situation that unfolded there, it was, it was bad. Uh, he was kind of on bad. the like verge of death basically. Yeah. And Jacob Triscott, uh, kind of happened to be walking by his room and, and then they got him out of there and he was on the ventilator. I mean, it was a, quite a story. I would recommend go reading it. It was pretty remarkable. I and- mean, it has been almost three months now, but that's still, you know, Compared to the situation, how long it takes to recover from being in the ICU in a medically induced coma, uh, pretty remarkable. So I would recommend checking that out. And he's back playing hockey. Yep. That sounds... You know, he's not uh, He's not back, like, watching TV or something. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, but, playing hockey. I mean, that's, you know, we've seen that before, where guys get injured and you're like, well, that's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, he's in the lineup. And yep. That's kind of a big deal, at least definitely for him, for the program. For people who, Michigan fans, etc. Uh, so Michigan scores pretty quickly. Uh, they get Ciccolini and Granowitz both on each post. And uh, the puck, I think Karanen had a very nice pass to uh, Ciccolini, who gets the shot. The rebound goes to Granowitz, and he scores. Wisconsin doesn't have anyone near anyone in this on this play. It was a preview of pretty much the rest of the weekend. And it was one nothing right away. Uh, and then they give up a goal because... Sure. So Tyson Jugnoth had a weekend for Wisconsin. They got obliterated, but I think he had, what, three goals on the weekend? Um, I don't know. Maybe. You were looking at the box scores closer than me. He They scored a power play goal to tie it up, uh, posting in. Didn't really... It looked like he shot it around a screen uh, on the power play. And then before the celebrating is over, Brindley got a breakaway on a nice stretch pass, gets in alone, and... Um, Mo makes the save, but Fantilli pokes in the rebound. It's two to one. And it's, you know, it just sort of had the feel of like, well, this is only going to probably go one way. Yeah, the 
the first goal was a that was a wild pass by Jake Harrington. Yeah, through his legs. Through his legs. Yeah, yeah. that's like wow. Um, also, Granowitz scoring that goal, I predicted a hat trick for him on the weekend. <laughs> he did not have a hat trick, but he actually had a very nice weekend. So he I'd had like to get that on the record. Two goals, right? Goal in each game. Yep. Yeah. Um, and his first goal since I think opening night. I believe that might be right. I have to look that up. But yeah. the Wisconsin Jugnoth goal—that's just a power play goal through screen. Great shot right in off the post. I mean, we talked about Wisconsin. They like to score on the power play because uh, they just don't ever score <laughs> otherwise. Um, and then that Brindley breakaway. I actually thought there was going to be a kicking motion review, but then it, it needed. It did go in off his his stick, not his skates. But off Antilly. Yeah, that's always an interesting one where the guy crashes his net, throws on the brakes, yeah. and then sometimes it goes in, and then you have to say, "Oh, was that a hockey stop or was it a kicking motion?" Well, but that blah, blah, blah. but those aren't kicking motions, are they? Well, sometimes depends on who's reviewing. There, I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But it sometimes is called that. Way. Well, okay, that's a completely other aside that we probably don't even need to get into. But a kicking motion is like a soccer kick. It's not a spray stop. Well, that's a class. That was also great because there were two Wisconsin guys in front of Fantilli, and they just skated right by the net. <laughs> well, that's apropos. Uh, starting in the second period, Michigan gets on the board again. You have a spinorama from Brindley, who's in the middle of the ice. He dishes to Edwards, gets a rebound. Brindley scores 3-1. to one. And then... Um, Jack Horbach gets five in a game off of a Narado challenge for kneeing, which is your favorite called penalty. You want this to happen more, not the penalties to happen more, but you want, <laughs> you more don't want kneeing. everybody just needs to get kneed. Yeah. Like, like bread, right? Yeah. Um, but you want to see those called more because you think, I mean, you've talked a couple of times kneeing about how dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Uh, just ask Bobby Orr. Um, <laughs> the, this is a nice play because we brought this up last week on the one goal that was disallowed off the fiasco. And their power plays worked really well when it gets down to the goal line. Uh, I've liked, you know, they go high to low and then that sort of that pass across. They've got, was it Fantilli and, and Brindley down there on that goal? And they really have been very sharp down there. And uh, I like to see them do that more. Well, that was the that was the fourth one then, right? That they scored on that power play because they did... So what do you call that? Because I'm calling it sort of a 2-3 because you kind of line up when two guys in the corners, one in the front, and then two guys at yeah, each it's point. Yeah, it's a different look. Because um, for, what, the last five or six years, you've basically only run versions of the umbrella in the one three one. Basically. And this is like a... I like this. This is like a large trapezoid. Yeah, this is an interesting, interesting configuration. But especially against a team like Wisconsin where the defensemen are asleep, <laughs> you can use that end line area right yeah and pass right through the crease i mean that's super dangerous i like that the the other goal the spin move one i mean that's just okay it's a rebound yep no but i mean it yeah so the the second one then app that they get on the all you can eat is the fantilli from one side from one corner to the other and somehow brindley scores from just off the goal line yeah and then they then they go down from the goal line uh it's kind of more of the circle across to Brindley, and, and then his shot is saved, and then it's the rebound is poked in for that next power play goal they score to make it five. For the Mackey one? Yeah, yeah, so to make so, it... I mean, it's just, but that was a five-on-three, I think. That was a five-on-three, yeah. Where Brindley had a one-timer. That was at the... Because the first goal they score is like right at the start of the five-minute penalty, and then the five-on-three goal is right at the end of the five-minute power play. Right. And now it's five-to-one. And this and... is the point at which you could you know watch something else. 
Well, I my next note is, is this where note-taking ceases? Pretty And much. I think I asked you online. I mean, I was watching the skills competition. <laughs> I had this on a different screen, but... So one play I wrote down, and that, that's going to be interesting um, just after this, was that I thought Luca made... He's coming along pretty nicely uh, as a defenseman. He took the puck off a guy and then finished his check and separated him and kind of put him down on the ice. And, like, you know, we, we talk about... Michigan gets these guys like Fantilli and Samuskevich, and those guys are here that are for a year, maybe two if you're lucky. But guys that kind of make your program are the Luca Fantillis and like the Ciccolinis and, and that caliber of player because they're going to be around longer. And Luca's a guy who we weren't sure where he was going to fit in at the beginning of the year, but is now starting to skate third pair every night. And we saw him score a goal against Penn State. He's made some good defensive plays. He can skate. And... Tonight, he or you know Friday night, he had a nice physical play of playing defense and removing a guy from the puck and knocking him down. And like those are the kinds of things you want to see as he's going to you know work his way towards being maybe a second pair defenseman next year. Um, yeah, he he had the really great pass in the Penn State game. Yes, uh, intended or unintended to, to set up Dylan Duke for that breakaway. I mean, that was kind of like the. That was that week's version of the Karen in between the legs <laughs> in terms of like us just like, wow, that, that guy did that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't really expect Luca Fantilli to be doing a whole lot this year, but they've had to lean on the younger defenseman a lot more than kind of expected. So, Well, they're always going to be third pair stuff, right? I mean, that was – you were going to get guys that had yeah. chances there. And, yep. I mean, now you – I don't feel uncomfortable when he's on the ice. It's sure. it's a bummer that Drusinski isn't able to play, um, because I'd like to see him a little bit too in that yeah, rotation. Yeah, we, we liked but, him when he was in the lineup. Yeah, and and you know there have been games specifically this weekend where it would have been nice to get those under his belt, but that should be a future endeavor. Um, and then Duke scored on a one timer to make it six to one late. Um, that was a nice pass from TJ Hughes around the net. I mean, again, Wisconsin's players are all just standing around. Yeah, uh, watching the puck. Uh, and you don't see Duke score too many from that far away. Missile goals like that, <laughs> stepping up and cranking it. Michigan gives up one late on a two-on-two that the shot goes off the post, comes right out to Malmquist, and he scores. That officially ends the scoring. The game had ended about half an hour to an hour earlier, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, yeah, I'm always kind of sloppy. I thought Portillo probably should have made the save there on when it hit the off post. the post. Yeah. Um. Sure. I mean. It's kind of like, and we can talk about this a little and bit. Brinley got, he, he didn't box out well enough on the on the rebound, but whatever. I mean, that's sort of my opinion. I, I you know, we talked about it a little bit on the hockey, or on the regular MGO podcast yesterday. Um, you know, does Michigan have a tendency to lose focus and fall asleep at times during games? And my answer to that was not really when the game is still, you know, for the taking, they have at times during kind of blowouts, and is that a big issue? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I suppose if you really want to nitpick, but the truth is, is this team's a very young team. They haven't played a lot of college hockey games, haven't played a lot of games together. So, you know, you're going to be in that sort of situation. And I've played enough sports in my life to know that, like, when you're on the field or the ice with another team that you are just that much better than, it's really hard to get everyone's attention for the entire time when you're up by, like, 20 runs in softball. Like, it's just... And so when you're up five to one, when you're up seven to one in yeah. hockey, I mean, sure, yes. If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're probably closing them out and doing wind sprints back in the tunnel if you're not on the ice. But like, 
you're talking about 19, 20 year olds. It, it, it score effects. I don't. Yeah, I mean that's you know the, the one thing that I would say that that does concern me because of that is you know they have had trouble at times closing out games, and so that yeah, is. But that's different, right? You're up it's two, a part of it. Up two goals in a third period or one goal in a third period is very different than up six to one. Or Correct. Whatever. Correct. So Michigan eases to victory six to two on Friday. Saturday, you know, it's really funny because I the first not note I wrote was Wisconsin's bringing the energy early because I think in the first two or three minutes they had a few shots. Michigan hadn't really had the puck and you're like, okay, they're like bouncing back and (laughs) they just vacate their net yet again as Mackie walks down the slot, hits TJ on Hughes on one side, cross pass to Duke and just a wide open (laughs) back post goal. And I was like, well, that didn't last very long. Yeah, that was a great uh, just passing play to slice right through the defense and set up an easy uh, tap-in goal. But Granowitz then gets in the slot after a longer shift, I think. Um, they turn him over, eventually get the puck, keep it, and he kind of has a nice little drop pass to Hallam where Grano could have taken the shot, but he gives Hallam the shot. And you kind of like that because that puts one Grano in a screen position and it gets him going to the net, which is where he is effective in case there is a rebound, which there was. It actually came out to Ciccolini, not to Granowitz, and Ciccolini scores. And that was, you know, he scored a couple goals earlier on in the year. He scored one last week against Penn State. He scores this one. He's going to score again tonight. He's a big key because, you know, Michigan's redone their lines a little bit. So they now have two pretty solid lines. And Hallam's had some burst at times. He's made some plays at times. If Ciccolini can start putting the puck in the net a little bit and Michigan gets a, you know, three lines, I mean, you got Minnesota. And then after that, how many teams have three lines? Maybe BU? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, the uh, this one I thought was not a particularly great uh, rebound from uh, Mo. Right? That was his name. Uh, Jared Mo. He Jared was at Mo, Minnesota, yeah. right? Minnesota, yes. Yeah. Well, because remember, they had Moe and Rowe at the same time. <laughs> well, Rowe, we already saw. Yeah. Because he left and went a, to Western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also made a goalie change in this game. So I was trying yeah. to remember which goalie was in at that point in time. But, no, I mean, this was like a really juicy rebound and a shot that wasn't super, super threatening. You know, it's from the slot, sure, but it, it hit him, you know, right in the chest. And it pops way out, and Chicklini follows it up. And it's 2 nothing. It's kind of like, well, here... Here we go, and yep. the student section starts the Mo You Suck chant. And, like, I, you know, that's just Yoast, right? Like, that's it's always been like that. You're going to – this is the way that it is. I probably wouldn't even change it because it's kind of a fun, uh, in-your-face, uh, intimidating atmosphere at times. But it was like – I don't know. There's part of me that just kind of felt bad for this guy because he's just got shelled the night before. He's going to get shelled tonight. Yeah, I mean, he got – It's not really pulled, his fault. He got pulled in the game. And Maybe even too was... late. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that was a classic example of the poll in which it's really just a wake-up call for the team. Yeah, except that, like, this team's been, I don't know, in a coma well, no, since— no, my point is, this, you know, this isn't a situation where you're yanking him because he's playing him, bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you no one else wants to— get him out of there for the emotional side, and then you also are trying to tell the team to just wake up. So that he doesn't demand a trade to the Avalanche? Yeah. <laughs> to the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So— Kuhlman gets a takes a cross check. Michigan gets their first power play. 
Edwards has a really nice pass from the point over to the dot. TJ, he uses one timer and Ciclini gets his second goal on a rebound right there. It's three, nothing. We're still many goals left in the first period, <laughs> but I mean, it's just at this point. Okay. I mean, you, you want to see guys like that score because that's a takeaway that you hopefully think they can build going forward. But after that, I mean, if Samuskevich or Fantilli or somebody like that scores, you're like, yeah, okay. But it doesn't really tell you anything, right? Like, it's just one team is bad. Yep. I mean, it, this is a, a big rebound kicked out. And then, uh, you know, Ciclini's there for the rebound. So, And then Tyson Jugnoff again. Yep. Finds a loose puck near the house and floats a changeup that uh, gets above yeah, the bar. Was... And then dips below it over Portillo. There were so many goofy goals. That was a goofy uh, in one. this game, and that one is one of the goofier ones. Just uh, shot taken, deflected, fluttering up in the air and over the over Portillo. Portillo comes out to play a puck soon after that and um, tries to play it up the boards. I think it hits a Wisconsin player, and he's definitely out of the net. But I don't, I can't remember the way that it unfolded. Um, but he doesn't get the shot off on the net. Puck eventually gets out. It gets to Fantilli across to Brindley, and Brindley unleashes kind of a bomb on yeah, Mo. Yeah, that's like and a just... Stamkos Ovechkin shot. Yeah. Right? What did you what? text me, Gavin Stamkos? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. You know, Brindley's a right shot from that left side, which is right where Stamkos and Ovechkin love to wind up. And, I mean, it, you know, that's that's just beautiful. Yep. And something that we haven't really seen out of him we've seen a lot of speed and a little skill and this is uh, a different a yeah, different was club a in his arsenal jackhammer yeah um so it's four to one and then philippe lapointe defending a player uh gets a five in a game for face masking which i believe i've only really seen one other time i think that happened to nick blankenberg against duluth last year early on in the season one of their good players kind of got his hand under Blankenberg's face mask and lifted up, and Michigan ended up beating Duluth. Um, this is—is is that what that was? Yeah, I remember it being like a bad hit from behind. That the was, Blankenberg one? Yeah, no, was, it was a, I think it was a face mask. Man, I don't, I don't remember that. But you don't, you don't get a lot of face mask this calls. This is the first hockey. one I remember seeing. Okay, uh, or maybe Michigan got one in one of those games. Now you're spitting my head. One of those games. There was a face masking call, I remember, last year. Um, and then there's this one. I didn't even see the replay. I just assumed that he was going to get kicked out because anytime there's a review, it just feels like someone's gone. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> so we're not even close to being done with the goals in this period. TJ Hughes scores after a kickout rebound. It's 5-1. to one. I mean, is there cheering anymore? I guess if you're in the stadium, you are. But at this point, it's kind of like when Michigan's scoring their 7th and 8th eight touchdowns against Hawaii or next year against State. ECU. I mean, it's yay. I mean, yay. <laughs> but Well, and this was a 4-on-4 four four situation. Right. Because, you know, the Wisconsin guy's in the box. You already had the existing call against the point. And then this, again, it's a similar story. Like a loose puck turned over and the Wisconsin guy's just standing around. And, you know, this one was kind of a fluttering one because it got a piece of the goalie and then it just kind of went up over him and in. I mean, it's again, it was like, okay. I think that was going to be it for Mr. Moe. 
he gets to go sit with Larry and Curly on the bench because yeah, I, I mean at that point it was like you. I mean, five, five goals, goals in the in, period, in sixteen minutes. That like it's, it's not. I mean, again, not necessarily maybe his if fault. It's five but, five, but <laughs> it's five five. No goalie should be playing five two down. Then that's the time. Just bring out those like old school five, trash one. cans from like the eighties or seventies that you just returned on their side yeah. and you shot into. Um, and then Malmquist snipes a shot in the corner. It's five to two, and. Like, no, this was Jugnoth. Did he have the second one, too? Yeah. Well, I had Momquist. No, it was Jugnoth. Okay. Uh, so that's his third goal of the, the weekend. and It was a four-on-four goal. Yes. And he walked right in. Had a little bit of a screen, but this was a missile, too. Yeah. Upper corner. Yep. I think short side on Portillo, but, I mean, he puts that right in that right in that upper 90. Um, I mean, it's the seventh goal of the first period. Like, we, it, you're on pace for, like, 21, 24 goals. I think it was... It was three to one at the ten minute mark, and I told Zook I was like, "Well, we're on pace for eighteen to six in this game." <laughs> like what? Yep. Uh, and we didn't quite get there, but so then Michigan gets revenge for last week's Fantilli waved off goal because Wisconsin makes it five to three on another redirected floater that just kind of ducked under the bar, but they challenge for, I believe, a hit to the head. And he and Narado wins a challenge, which, according to him, is like his second or third win out of like a million, I think he said last weekend. So they win this. The goal comes off the board. It stays five to two. Uh, the only thing that's really notable is it's possible for Michigan to win a challenge. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly what that uh, was that they challenged looked like. I mean, I remember it at the time, but yeah. they don't post replays of that online, and I don't care enough to go hunting through the BTN Plus stream to find it. But I remember looking <laughs> like at Like you it. could see it anyway. Uh, I remember looking at it and thinking, like, yeah, this is... They're going to call it. Like, this was pretty textbook yeah. to me. Um, and that was kind of... You know, it, it wasn't a huge moment in the sense that even if the the goal stands is 5-3, Michigan, for me, still has 95% win probability just yeah. because Wisconsin's really bad and we've seen... They're going to score more goals. Right, enough of the, but it was a moment where it was like, oh, you know, this is... Right, like yeah, know, it's not it, five to two at the end of the period feels a lot different than five to three. Can't flip it over to Duke UNC yet, right? Because <laughs> neither is that even a draw anymore. I mean, those teams are good. I was surprised they were the six thirty p.m. game on ESPN. They had Jay Billis and uh, Dan Schulman there, and they were both unranked and seven and four in the they're, ACC. They're trying to get anything you can out of it. Anything. I don't know. College basketball is weird this year, right? Isn't like Alabama 2 or Tennessee's 2 and scored 46 uh, points this against weekend? Auburn, yeah, that game was nasty. Oof. Like a Michigan-Minnesota game. Every game in the Big Ten. Well, that's fair. Uh, in the second period, uh, this was just infinite penalties. And they all overlapped, and there were majors, and there were minors. And I, at this point, I was like, this game has just gone off the rails. And, I, you know, there's you can track stuff. And I was trying my best, but I don't know. I uh, I mean, I said that TJ Hughes and Ethan Edwards both had nice nights, both on the power play. We mentioned a, a TJ Hughes pass before. He has another nice set, set up where he hits uh, Ethan Edwards, who has like a, another blast from the point. I mean, Michigan's getting some guys that are showing off some of their shots now. And this is, that goes straight out of like 2008. And I, I still have a spot in my heart for that kind of play. Power play, you got straight out, you got a guy in front of the net, teed up from the point, and just a bomb through traffic. Yeah. I, I love that. 
to bring you back to your childhood. It made the water bottle jump, too. Well, yeah, whenever you can hit the water bottle, yeah, like, that's I mean, always like, kind of fun. I love that. Six to two, uh, and then because defense is beyond optional, in fact, it's discouraged in this case, uh, Keaton Pearson, of all people, walks to the net, throws a shot that goes off of, was it McClellan, I think, was in at this point? Yeah. Kyle McClellan's pad kicks out, and Grano gets hit another goal on the weekend, which, you know, great for him. He's he's playing a little bit. Um, so it's seven to two, you know. <laughs> and then I think Granado got a technical or something. He got a bench minor for being annoying. I couldn't tell. Like, the like the referee on skated sport, over and, and did the T motion <laughs> with, like, that you see in basketball. So I didn't know if Adam Fantilli was going to shoot free throws. It, it was or... on sportsmanlike conduct from the bench which is just the coach basically yeah um and then steve holtz had his they were really digging through the rule book in this <laughs> well there's nothing the game was irrelevant we so the face mask and then unsportsmanlike conduct to the bench that those are some you don't really see we just needed charging in this game oh man you don't you don't get a lot of charging anymore no not in the ncaa um, so Holtz at one point skated over to the Wisconsin bench and was like standing there like he was almost going to enter the bench and was like had his arms up and was going. And the thing about Steve Holtz is that's different than most everyone else on the team is, is he's massive. Like he's huge. He's big. And so it's not like, you know, Theo Fleury skates over there and he's like barely seeing over the boards. It's like this huge guy who's like apparently willing to take on the entire bench. Someone must have said something to him and he did not take it very well. And uh, there was some interactions. He goes over to the, the, the box, gets two, and then they review it or talk about it for a while. Give him 10 and a game, which whatever. The only thing that that mattered was like, you know, the players area in the press box is starting to fill up. And I was just wondering if they were going to come down and start confiscating chairs because Philippe Lapointe's up there and now Steve Holtz is up there and, you know, people are bringing their kids over there. I mean, there's like a petting zoo. And so it was really starting to go. I mean, it didn't really matter because like, you know, this game is just, we just end this game. I think even Zook was tweeting that when, <laughs> which he's saying that it's like, oh, okay. Um, so, Wisconsin ends up getting a couple more goals later on in the in the third period, and that's where people are like, oh, you know, is this a, is this a problem? You know, they're, they're giving up goals, but, I mean, they had seven. I don't know. Yeah. If you have seven goals, you're probably fine. Do you want to see those go in? Well, no, but, like, I don't know. What, it, literally the last, what, 45 minutes of this game, in theory, didn't even need to be played. No. So, but they were, and they took a long time. Because there was a lot of reviews because that's college hockey. Yeah? Yep. Um, any other takes from this weekend? I feel like I know the answer. Should we take a break and talk uh, about other games? No, my or? only thing is that they this this game was one... I mean, there's been many of these this year, but it was definitely a time-to-leave-the-coach-at-the-airport uh, <laughs> type. Like, For I Granato? What, I don't know what the point of continuing to have him coach out this season is. I would make a change now and let the interim come in, and maybe you know maybe the players can get a big win by the end of the year, right? Like they can pull an upset on somebody. You're playing, hopefully, Penn State for Michigan playing for sake. pride, right? Like, I mean, why not just get someone new in there well, and see if you can't win one or two games just from a change of scenery? Because that, that happens sometimes. That's the thing is like I don't think Wisconsin's without talent. I mean, no, they have not. some players. No, I mean that. And I didn't think their goaltending was terrible. I mean, the guy has decent numbers. It's not no, like he's given no, like eight fifty. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, this is—he's been fine this year. Um, 
you know, wasn't their was it their 2019-2020 season? Remember where they uh, lost? You know, they they couldn't go anywhere because they got like 890 or 880 gold hunting. Yeah. From remember Ledbedef? <laughs> was that the guy from Tech? Yes. Yeah. Right, like that's not what they've been. Like they just can't score this year. And well, you said one of your predictions at the beginning of the year was that they would be better because they could not shoot that poorly again for a second year in a row. Oh. I think it's improved a little, hasn't it? They're shooting 7.8% as a team. Let's take a look. Last I think year, last year was like... 6.4. So yeah. yes, it's ticked up. Uh, marginally. <laughs> uh, they still rank uh, fifth from the bottom in shooting percentage. Wow. Tied with New Hampshire. Only .2 below Notre Dame. So Notre Dame can't score either. Uh, we know that. Well, You sure. know who else is right there at the bottom? Tied for ninth worst. State. Two teams. Lake Superior State Oof. and Duluth. Wow. Well, maybe that explains some of Duluth's struggles because <laughs> I certainly couldn't figure no, it I mean, out. No, I mean, Wisconsin, like, if you get it, we kind of saw this from MSU, and MSU didn't have as many drafted players, but they still had players. They always did. You know, it's not like they're... Oh, they had some. I mean, this isn't, they're not getting, like, a lot of guys from, like, the AJHL or something. Like, MSU still has a roster of USHL players. Okay. Even if they're not drafted. And Wisconsin's maybe a small cut above that with more later round guys. But we saw with MSU that if you just get, uh, you know, a coach with a pulse in to try and, and just get fundamentals, yeah, you can improve a lot. I mean, because Wisconsin this year is basically MSU last year in terms of... But they have so much more. T- I Un- mean, that's, unwatchable. Um, but Granado players like, like this. It just doesn't make any sense to me because Granado has been around, right? Like he's coached NHL teams. He it's not, not very well. Well, okay, but <laughs> he wasn't this bad. I mean, they just had a guy that was this bad. They just fired a guy who, when they were so bad, they had to move on from him, and he was kind of a name. He went there, wasn't he? On the wasn't he on the nineteen eighty team? Maybe U.S. team, and he was their coach, or no? Maybe that's the women's coach. But they had a guy that that was a Wisconsin, I think, grad, and they were okay. And then he just really went in the can. Well, so the funny, and they moved on from him. So the funny thing uh, about this is, I mean, looking up, they had Mike Eaves was there. Yeah, two thousand two to two thousand sixteen. Two thousand two to two thousand sixteen. That's a while. Yes, I'm trying to see. Was he on the Miracle on Ice team? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. That no, movie. that's no. it's it's the no. it's the women's coach okay. that I was thinking of. Uh. He was on the 1986 Calgary Flames. Um, the, Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my point is, when I started following like Michigan hockey, when I was, you know, like as a student, like my freshman yeah. year, 17, 18, yeah. I was just trying to figure out how college hockey worked and everything. And I remember like, reading... Is there only one puck or well, <laughs> you know, second one? Or... Because that was the first year of Mel. And I remember reading Brian's like hockey pieces when Mel was coming in just yeah. to like get a, a base understanding. And what was in the pieces was basically that the coach we were hoping Mel was going to be was Tony Granato. Because that first year he came in, Wisconsin was really bad the year before. And then it was 2016, 2017, they finished 2015 and one, 12 and eight in the conference. They were the runner up in the big 10 tournament and they missed the tournament by like one spot in pairwise. And Brian was like, look, they got a lot better in year number one. They were really close to the tournament. He's recruiting really well. He's got these kids on the way. Like, this this is who we want to be. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Well, he his other thing was that he was also, like, with Team USA at one point and then with the Wings, right? Like, yeah, he was with, he was with the Avs for a while. He was with the Penguins when they were good. He was with Team USA. He was with 
the wings then, and then he went to Wisconsin. And so part of that is, you know, he has recruiting chops because he's connected to USA Hockey, which is where you're all... also uh, the, the brother of Cami Granado, one of the well, all-time great women's players. And sure. He has a lot of lot of connections. Um, and he's always he's always been able to recruit. He was a good NHL player, too. I mean, he scored 39 goals one year. But I don't know. Yeah. He just hasn't really been able to as a head coach. Well, he, and he, he I just... He didn't last in the NHL as a head coach, even though his record was okay. But he was coaching it's, at first some good avalanche teams. And then... I just Here remember in just hasn't been able to get it done. I mean, you look at the record ninety two one oh six and sixteen, and what's really been the story is that first year they were good. Then he had three straight years where they were not very good. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, then he has the year against the tournament, the, the Cole Caulfield yep. year, and then this year's just been and last year have been like the wheels have fallen off the bus, right? Because like they were fourteen and twenty, right, most of those years, and then they had the good year, and then since then ten and twenty four last year. And they are 10 and 18 this year. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. So, Especially with that amount of talent. Now, the Big Ten has gotten better, but, like, geez. No. I mean, they lost their exhibition at Lakehead, remember? Like, that's yeah. all you need to know. They got blown out by the Team USA by, like, six goals in an exhibition. They keep scoring on their own net when they have the empty net. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. save the viewers from having two different segments talking about Wisconsin hockey. So out there, they are probably extremely thankful to you. You said, let's talk about all of the different conferences and races. We usually talk about the Big Ten. We highlight teams Michigan's played in terms of, you know, how good they are and what that means. But we don't really do sort of an encompassing of going through the AFC East and AFC Central and AFC West and all that sort of thing. So we can start with AFC Central. 1997. Oh, there is. That's right. That's the AFC See, North now. That's true. I am. I am a little bit older than you, so <laughs> I went through the six division phase, yeah. where you are a child of the eight division phase. Yeah, I've always. I've only ever. Known You've the never known division. the Centrals. Yeah, the Buccaneers were never in the Lions division. <laughs> I was a fan. 
there were, I think in one of the divisions, I think it was the Central, there were six teams. The NFC Central? Uh, maybe it was the AFC. I think it was the AFC. Yeah. The NFC Central was just the North plus the Buccaneers. Plus the Buccaneers. odd reason. We had a great trivia question about that in Teams of Enemies the other night, where you had to go around and name yeah, I was the there. teams in the West. Yes, that's why I said we. <laughs> I didn't say I did in informing you. I was reminiscing to a time that we shared together, Alex. Okay, so the first division is Atlantic Hockey. This is the the division that everyone always picks on because they always get one team in, and that team is never deserving. They always boot the 16th team. Uh, this year it is RIT, and you were saying that they might even have a shot at getting in if they don't win their it, conference it tournament. It looked that way, but they have fallen to 18th in pairwise because they lost on Saturday to Canisius. I believe they were 14th before that happened. Wow. Canisius is not very good, no. so that docked them. But Which means they're probably in Atlantic hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so they're... Uh, the reason RIT is pretty highly rated, they have 14 regulation wins in their conference. They're 14-1 and one in regulation games. I They're 1-4 in overtime games in their conference. Oh. Uh, in the non-conference, they played Penn State. They got beat up pretty badly. They did sweep uh, Arizona State. So this is probably a, an Atlantic hockey champion, yeah. even though their pairwise looks better than, than some years. Um, not a ton of a chase right now. They're nine points up on Sacred Hearts. Sacred Hearts in second yeah, place. Yeah, AIC is down to third this year. AIC, who Michigan played last year yeah, in the NCAA a, tournament. Bit of a rebuilding year for them. So For the Yellow Jackets? Yeah, it still looks like it's probably going to come down to just the auto bid for this conference. But I, I suppose, I don't know, I'm not up on the pairwise calculations, but maybe if RIT won out, they could... Well, there's, a, there's only a few more weekends. Yeah. So, p- possibly, but they'd probably have to win out, go all the way to the a- Atlantic champion. Because if they, the problem is, is like if they lose, they're probably going to lose to an Atlantic hockey team, who's probably a bad team. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. Yep. So, Atlantic hockey, um, maybe we'll see RIT. I will say one thing to get on the record Bentley, I think, is a strong contender for the worst college hockey team this year. I think they're in the top several names. Well, at least they have a good car. They're minus 50 in goal differential. Um, wow. Or no, minus 40, sorry. Didn't miss that calculation. Yep. But 8, 19, and 1. They're they're very bad. Minus 40 and minus 50 are kind of the same when you start getting into those depths. When you've only played 28 games. Yep. Big 10 is next. We will touch on them in a second. Uh, the CCHA, uh, this one is a little bit tighter this is usually very very tight usually minnesota state is just walloping folks this year they're not their traditional top five but they look like they'll probably be in the tournament unless they the bottom falls out on for them uh i think tech is a much safer bet as a team that doesn't have to win you know the auto bid. I mean, Minnesota State right now is thirteenth in pairwise. Yeah, they and t- oh, Tech is like eleventh or something. Tenth. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And Maybe there's a, and there's a bit of an R you know RPI gap between ten and like the cut line, whereas Minnesota State doesn't have that much cushion over the cut line right now. But the standings for who's going to win the conference in the regular season. Both teams, 22 games played. Minnesota State 45 points. Michigan Tech 44 points. Very very tight chase. Tech's got Bowling Green, who are third. Uh, Minnesota State has Bemidji, who Who's are fourth. fourth. Yeah. So they both get a kind of tune-up weekend against a solid opponent, and then they play each other. And so, there, will... so there's only is there 26? There's actually they're only, be they're only playing 26 games. I wonder how that breaks down. 
Uh, Minnesota State, they are hosting that series against Tech. So I think hmm. if you were handicapping it, you would say Minnesota State is the slight favorite to win the title in the regular season. But Minnesota State also needs it a little bit more uh, with less pairwise cushion. You know, they need the auto bit in particular. But Bowling Green's hanging around. Um, they're a team I could see potentially doing some damage in the in the tournament. Um, they're on a bit of a losing streak. There was a period there where Bowling Green looked like they might be tournament bound, but they've lost. Uh, they've tied two and lost two to Ferris State and St. Thomas. Michigan played them great. last year, I think, in an exhibition. In an exhibition, yeah. yeah. So CCHA looks like a two bid league, but I guess there's a scenario where it could be a one bid if Minnesota State tanks hard at the end. Uh, down at the bottom of the league, St. Thomas. And it's not in last. They're not in last. And Lake Superior has not gotten much better for them. No. 6-22-2. Oh, you spoiled my note. We were going to talk about their sixth win of the year in a little bit, but we can still discuss it momentarily. <laughs> After that comes uh, the favorite ECAC, which is basically... Quinnipiac, who we've known from the tournament last year, beats up on everyone, but everyone's but Alex says ain't played nobody. Uh, Cornell is in and around the tournament, usually Harvard somewhere as a two, three, four seed in that range. And then Colgate, I think, is also up around, uh, at least in the in the top, in, they're in the discussion for a, for an at large bid. Uh, no, they're not. not they're this not year. Oh, I was looking at somebody else. Maybe it was Cornell. Cornell. Cornell, Cornell and Harvard. Cornell and Harvard and Quinnipiac, which three in the ECAC. That's yeah, that's yeah. like Colgate's further down. They're 36th. Yeah, that's... They're not yeah. in the conversation. No. But no. There's, there's, yeah, there's a chance this is going to be a three-bid league, which ECAC doesn't always get three teams in. So, And then, you know, if you look at this conference before the season, you would have probably said those were the three. Right. You those know. traditionally are the teams. Yeah, Clarkson sometimes is in that discussion. But. Clarkson used to be... I mean, Michigan played them, I, I mean, think, Union as a used to be good. Seed. <laughs> Union, Yale, didn't they win a national title? Yale I think did they did, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> oh, college hockey. So, uh, Quinnipiac, they look like a lock to be a one seed. Yeah. They are second in RPI and pairwise. Still a bit of a ways behind Minnesota, but also a ways behind above BU. So, their position, pretty secure. Uh, Cornell and Harvard hanging around in the uh, 11-12 range they're right next to each other in pairwise so they're probably in unless they drop probably but they need to you know take care of business the rest of the way and not have any ugly losses i mean you look at cornell for example they have colgate for two clarkson st lawrence brown and yale you cannot lose to brown or yale for example that's that's the problem of playing in that maybe not even clarkson there's just so many pitfalls harvard has uh, BC tonight in the bean pot bean pot um so that's an opportunity for them to to bolster you know Especially if they could play BU in the finals and win that game, for example. That yep. would really help them. Then after that, they get Union, RPI, St. Lawrence, and Clarkson. So not the bottom of the barrel, but again, you just want to avoid some ugly losses. Yeah. Hockey East is usually where most of the talent out East goes and where the big-name schools are. It is a rough year for the Hockey East. Yeah. Uh, well... Merrimack is third, so that should tell you everything you need to know. Well, and there was a period of time where it looked like Merrimack could make the tournament. Um, But right now, if the tournament started today, uh, it would probably be a two-bid league. UConn is at 15th, so I think if you were seeding off of pairwise, they would be in. Where is Northeastern? Northeastern is 21st. 
So you got Craig's UConn alma mater at, is not completely out of it. Well, you but got they're going to have to make a UConn run. UConn at 15, Northeastern at 21, and Merrimack at 22, UMass Loyal at 23, Providence at 24. So they're and all BC just like at 26. So they're, they're all just like the bottom half of the top half. Right. So basically what happened is here is Hockey East got spanked in the non-conference, right? Yeah. And so now everyone's piled up outside the picture because the conference just doesn't have enough wins to win any, you know, comparisons. So um but BU has had a great year. Great year, 20 and 6 overall, um 17 and 5 in regulation plus 40 goal differential. I mean, they look like a great team. Um a very very nice win for Michigan. <laughs> In one of the weirdest games. One of the weirder games of the year. And, you know, they were a little bumpy the first couple months of the season where they lost to the USNTDP over Thanksgiving. At the time, they were 8-4 and on the year. Hmm. And since then, they are 12-2, and Hmm. including now they have won seven in a row going into the Beanpot. So really, really strong season for them. And yet they don't have the Hockey East title on lockdown. They are 18 games played, 41 points. Northeastern, 18 games played, 38 points. So it's a, it's a competitive race. Well, and you really want to get, I think, is it a top three there? Because then you get a bye. And then you get to host, I think. Because that would leave, maybe it's top five. Let me look at the Hockey East. Yeah, his top five because then you'd you'd have three teams remaining. Except four and five don't play. I mean, they're they're. I'm sorry, their matchup is set. They just eleven skip plays a six, ten plays seven, eight right. plays nine, right? Five plays four, and but not that weekend. Not that weekend. The right. Next weekend. So you then... get like a, a fake buy. Yep. I mean, you get a buy, but yep. you don't know who you're. You already know who you're gonna play. Yeah. So down year for for the hockey East. Hopefully they can get two teams in. At least that's what they're hoping for. Um. But yeah, definitely, definitely a bit of a fall from the old days in BC, trying to rebuild after the retirement of uh, Jerry York, nine, ten, and six on the season. UMass, which was you know had this really good run with McCarr, and then the few years after he left. Well, we saw them last year. They were a two seed, they were two, good or, team two or three last seed, year, yeah. But they're they're way down. Yeah, ten, thirteen, and three on the season, fifteen points in conference play. They're below Maine. <laughs> Maine, I haven't seen Maine in a while. Down there with just all of the states, right? Because you have you have Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Vermont. Uh, yeah, look at that. Vermont, they are the Hockey East contender for worst team in college hockey. I, I don't think they're high up on the ranking. I think so far Lake State and Bentley beat them out. Probably Dartmouth, too. But Vermont, 9-15-3, uh, minus 22 goal differential. Well, someone's letting them in if everyone else has scored them. So... NCHC, this is usually... Also, 48 goals in 27 games. Oof. <laughs> that's that's so... Michigan State, Wisconsin level there. NCHC, uh, this is usually the best conference in college hockey. Not it's, this year. Not this year, but usually they carry the banner, um, basically cherry-picked all the good teams from the Midwest and West, created their own conference. And, I mean, it's a good conference. They, they usually have good teams and good players in it. Um, Denver... Generally tends to be right up there, but there are a couple of usual suspects that have fallen off this year. Yeah, most uh, notably Minnesota Duluth. And their local friends, North Dakota. Yeah, this it was a big weekend for Duluth because they were playing uh, Western, and that was an opportunity for them to bank some quality wins, try to move back up. Uh, didn't happen. No, they so, went to overtime once. 
Yeah, so they're stuck at 25th, and they're kind of running out of chances. They have Denver this weekend, which is one of their last chances. They also have St. Cloud to finish, so... You know, Where maybe, are those games? Maybe if they could rip off a bunch of wins down the stretch. Uh, they're at Denver and at St. Cloud. Yeah, <laughs> so, not great. Well, but, the, I mean, you get them. I mean, you get those road wins, and you can fly right up pairwise. But Yeah, so we'll, we'll see, but it, it just doesn't look like it's happening. Um, it, it, right now, Denver is up, what, two points plus two games in hand? They're up five over Omaha, who has played the same number of games. But Western and St. Cloud have 18 games played. Denver has 16 and Denver has a two-point lead. So it looks like the ball is in Denver's court. Yeah. Um, the puck is on Denver's ice. Uh, sure. Uh, Denver, 35.16 games. I mean, they, you know, the question is, can they get up to the one line? They're at six in pairwise right now, below Michigan and Penn State. But if they, if they you know, had a really strong close to the year, I think they could jump up to... To the one line. Yeah, a lot depends a little bit on Michigan and then some on BU. I don't. I mean, you're probably not catching. You're probably not catching Quinnipiac or Minnesota. I mean, they're going to be ones. It's more. I mean, I guess if Quinnipiac takes a bunch of losses, which they don't generally do, no. Minnesota. Minnesota is a lock for a one. Quinnipiac's yeah. close to it. Yeah. BU, BU is, could fall if they. If but they, they'd have to. I mean, they've yeah. only lost six times. So. Yeah. They would have to go hard, and Michigan could, but the way they're playing. But the other problem is that if Michigan falls, then Penn State might rise, and so Denver would have to bank wins and yep. climb over that last hurdle. Yep. So, but they would be a they would be a tough team to have in your regional, no question about it. So, and then beyond them, uh, Western looks pretty strong for a tournament bid. They're at number nine in pairwise, and a, and a big gap between them at nine and, and Michigan Tech at ten in the RPI. And St. Cloud, similar story. They're a little bit above Western. So it looks like a three-bid league this year. Although, Omaha knocking around. Where are they? 16th. Well, so they're there in it. They're, you can win yep, some games. You right can there. Yeah. And then there's a then there's a, a bit of a gap down to, to North Dakota where it just doesn't look like it's happening. Um, they're 12-11-4 on the season. Uh, problem has been uh, pretty much the goaltending. I mean, DeRitter has been fine for them, but... Jacob, yeah, because they brought him in last year. Yeah, Jacob Helston, eight seventy three in twelve games played. Man, that's a problem. Yeah, what was DeRitter? Nine hundred, which is better, but not great. And the thing is, they don't face any. <laughs> they don't face many shots. Like it's not like they, they have the puck the whole time. I mean, yeah. they've allowed six hundred seventy four shots on the season in twenty seven games. It's twenty five shots a game. It's not like mm-hmm. they're getting shelled. No, right? I mean, like. Don't really know what the problem is there. Uh, what about uh, good friend Chris Mayotte? Him and his Colorado, Colorado College, College Cougar Tigers, as we called them last week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are 10 uh, 15 and 1, uh, 20 points in the conference, one behind North Dakota. I mean, it's a. Where, where, where are they in pairwise? Uh, 35th. So that's not terrible. I mean, they've no, moved I mean, up. Colorado College used to be bad. They were so they were nine twenty four and two last year. They're ten yeah. fifteen and one this year. So they've already won more games than they did all yeah. of last year. They have a pretty tough schedule to <laughs> to close out the season. But you know, hopefully they can bank a couple wins and and you know say, look, we're making progress. We improved. Uh, we're trending in the right direction. And look, the top five scores, four of them are are juniors, sophomores, or freshmen. So there's something there to build on they don't score many goals so that's something they need to work on moving forward but they have a really good goalie 
who's a 920 goalie as a freshman. Hey, there's a surprise. <laughs> Chris Mayotte. Yeah, well, this is getting Caden, a good goal. Caden uh, Maberko, who I believe was on the World Junior roster for uh, Team USA. He was from West Bloomfield, actually. Um, hmm. And yeah, 20 games played as a freshman, 920. I mean, that's the guy you build a program around. Yeah. So that was almost Dobish from last year, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's there's there's reason for optimism for them moving forward. Do you want to tell us about the independents? Can you name all? Si- well, you're probably looking, looking at, at them. Right oh now. well. Yeah. How many do you think you could have named? Probably most. Yeah. Um, it's you, rough. Yeah. Well, as it goes. Well, by the way, before we move on, Miami is the entrant for our worst team in college hockey from the NCHC. Minus 49 goal differential. Man, and they used to be like A pluses. I mean, them in Michigan used to be top four, top six teams every year. And and how, how the mighty have fallen. Yep. And speaking of bad teams, independence. <laughs> there are some rough ones here. Alaska Anchorage, 4-16 and 16 overall. Not very good. <laughs> uh, Lindenwood, 5-17. and 17. Well, remember they had five wins but a while ago. And team, we so. were kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, Lindenwood's getting a few wins, but that's pretty much They ceased. have won one game since November 5th. They also haven't played many games. They haven't played many games since. <laughs> it's they, hard to win games when you don't play them. Uh, yes, but they have... They have Stonehill this weekend. Big series. Stonehill's actually playing games. Stonehill scored five goals this year in three games. <laughs> They've played three games. I don't... Well, ho- hopefully Lindenwood can, can sweep Stonehill and, and get a couple more in the win column. Uh, Stonehill, we want to talk about very briefly. There was a piece written on College Hockey News we were discussing during the break. They have been excluded from the pairwise formula, and it caused a big ruckus. In Who the college cares hockey about world, that? Were, well, was so, it you? Were you getting no? I didn't. I didn't feathers ruffled. I didn't know about it until I read the story. Um, basically, even if you're an expansion team, um, you get to be in pairwise. So Lindenwood right. gets to be in pairwise, but because Stonehill only has five games on their schedule, they yeah, that's not a season. Yeah, Sorry. they are excluded from pairwise because yeah. it would mess the formula up. Although we talked about this a few weeks ago off air. They are actually playing games, just not against D1 teams most weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah, you listed all the teams yeah, that were going to play. Yeah, were all these obscure schools. Yeah. But it's not like they're just sitting at home for two straight months. <laughs> they just... <laughs> waiting for their next game. <laughs> we have five games. Come play for us. <laughs> Suit up four we times. We practice four days a week. <laughs> because we have no With games. One month <laughs> in between our games. But anyway, so those three are really bad. Uh Long Island, 11-15-1. Beat Ohio State this year. Positive goal differential. Don't ask how they did that. The answer is they beat Stonehill 9-1 and 9-3 this past weekend. Zook was looking him up at Yost last weekend, and he said they're in the top 20 in average of shots per game. Well, uh, yeah, they beat Ohio State. Yeah. You know who they didn't beat? Wisconsin. So, Well, not sure what the takeaway (laughs) is there. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not very good. But Arizona State, nice Devils, thirteen and eighteen, not not great. They've been on a long losing streak in the last few months. They they did beat St. Thomas, but they've lost six of eight. They need to get in a conference. Like they're a big enough school, and there's money there. They play good teams. I mean, Michigan's played them probably five or six times by now. Minnesota played them this year. I mean, they play. They they got into the Big Ten in the COVID year and played everybody. I mean, they're trying to be a legitimate program. The problem is you can't really do that 
as an independent. You it's have hard. to find a place. You have to find a home, and even if you're in like the CCHA, at least you can get an auto bid in the tournament if you win it, or you can recruit that way. Um, it's difficult because nobody's out. I mean, who would be in their conference? Like the Alaska schools? <laughs> you just fly up to Alaska every other weekend? Well, they 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 already play Alaska. Yeah, I, I mean, mean you they, have to because you got to play somebody unless you're Stonehill. <laughs> again, they're playing people, well, okay. just not D one schools. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean they so they are hosting Alaska at the end of February. They've already brought Anchorage to town. They went to Alaska previously, and uh, now. They are going back up to Alaska to play Anchorage in March. So. I guess it's not as far from over there. It's still kind of a ways. <laughs> it's still pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they need to join a conference. The problem is the Alaska schools, remember they were in the WCHA, and then they got kicked out, and that's when the yeah. WCHA changed his name. To the CCHA. Yeah, literally just to exclude because, them. Because then the Alaska schools wouldn't be able to find them if they changed their name. <laughs> They're in the witness protection program of... Of college hockey, I guess. So, yeah. But the best independent is our beloved Alaska Nanooks, fifteen nine and two. It looks like it's not happening this year. The tournament wise, they're at nineteenth and parent wise, and they don't really have any quality games left. Um, but a really promising year for them. Hockey Bear. Yep. They uh, last season they were. Let's take a look. Fourteen eighteen and two. So a very positive improvement in their record. They have a positive goal differential. They're in the yep. top 20 in pairwise. They managed to take a game off of Denver. Oh, they yeah. also took a game off of Notre Dame. <laughs> they played semi-competitive games with Penn State and Michigan Tech. So this is a real team this year. So they year. put together a decent schedule. Yeah, this is a real team. Yeah. And, you know, good for them. And you look at their team, they have of their top uh, six scorers, four are sophomores. Well, that's one good. One is a junior, and, and one is Johnny Sorensen. Remember him? From Minnesota? Oh, He yeah. was, like, on their third line. Yeah. He was their grad transfer. So they're going to lose him, but if they can bring in a new transfer, you know, and... and Hopefully they don't, they don't transfer. The one thing they do have that is a bit of a problem is they do have a senior goalie, so they're going to have to figure that out. But this, the rest of the skaters, you know, they can... They have a group to grow. I mean, you look at this all the way down. I mean, let's let's count it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So there's 16 highest-scoring skaters. Uh, two of them are seniors. Well, that's... So this is going to be the whole team the only problem running is, it back. The is so if they have good years. And, and yeah, but, I mean, do, do people transfer? That's the problem. Maybe they can win the NIT. <laughs> there's, there's no NIT. Uh, all right, so we've gone through pretty much all of the, the college country. hockey teams. Uh, we can go through Michigan's old friends in terms of what they did last weekend. Lindenwood um, didn't play. Boo. We're always rooting for them. BU beat Maine 5-3. to three. Uh, We just referenced Maine. They, yes, they still have a program. It was a pretty even game. Back and forth, BU got a couple at the end, and BU plays in the bean pot. Uh, probably very close to now. I don't. Maybe it is now. It's Monday, so they usually play two games on Monday night and then one on Tuesday. No, it's the next week. Oh, they play one yes, next. It's always week. Okay. the first two Mondays in uh, February. Okay, so um, nice win for BU, and then they will have a couple of big games because they'll play good teams. I mean, the worst team you could possibly play is Northeastern, right? But B or I guess BC, no, BC, BCs, yeah. So. 
Lake State. Uh, they beat Northern for win number six, win which we six. already spoiled yeah. earlier. Uh, and then they lost to Northern three to one. I think both are three to one games. Um, but a road split for the Lakers. They went to Marquette and bagged a W. Uh, Good for them. Yeah. Western won at Duluth in overtime on Friday. They had a 2-1 lead, and there was five minutes left, and I wanted to watch something else, and Craig was like, fine, okay. He wanted to watch the end of that, but we put on something else. And then it ended up becoming a game because they blew the lead and then won in overtime. And then on Saturday, uh, they beat Duluth 4-1. to uh, Yikes, Duluth. Harvard. Uh, by the way, yeah? one quick thing to get on the record. Okay. Um, Alaska, when they're playing Long Island this weekend, the games are at 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I assume they're at Long Island. Right, but okay. that's 9 and 10 in the morning, Alaska time. Sure. Well, they probably came in last week for these games. I don't know. I mean, that's, what, five hours Yeah, that's a, that's difference? A, you know, that's a sizable jet lag. I mean, that's maybe. That's here versus England. Well, there you go. That's, uh, if you're looking for something to follow at 2 and 3 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, there you go. Just refreshing the college hockey news scoreboard tab. <laughs> F5, F5, F5. Uh, all right, so Harvard, in a pretty big game, plays Quinnipiac this past weekend and gets shut out. So this was a big shot for Harvard, and QPAC doesn't get many of big games either like that, and QPAC shut them down 3-0 at Harvard. Um Corsi was pretty close to even, but QPEC gets the goals. I think they got an empty netter, if I remember correctly. That's an, I mean, that's an impressive win for Quinnipiac. Yeah. Yep. That's that's one where they can say, hey, we played somebody. Alex. Yep. And they still have uh, Yanif Peretz as their goalie. Yeah, we saw him in the third period, I think. Yes. Where Michigan scored three. I think they got one actual one. Uh, that, Two empty that, netters. That, we don't need I can't to remember. That. All right. <clears throat> Big Ten games, uh, so Michigan State-Notre Dame, uh, this went one way, and it was not the way I thought it would. Michigan State ended up killing a major, uh, finished their chances, and Notre Dame just couldn't score on Friday. 3 nothing to the Spartans. And, and that was a shutout for uh, Dylan St. Cyr against his former team. Ha, 32 saves. One of his many former teams, but... Yeah, yes. and, and they got an empty netter in that one. I okay, mean, this, so it was this, two nothing. Yeah, this weekend. I mean, it's two games between two mediocre teams that can't score. And Michigan, so Michigan State wins then on Saturday three to two in a back and forth affair where they get two goals on like five shots in the first period. Something yeah. crazy. And Notre then, Dame outplays them, and then they end up pull, or eking one out three to two. Yeah, Notre Dame battled back. They tied it on a power play, and then that third period, I was watching this. Uh, David Gucciardi unleashed just a cannon slap shot on the power play, went through the screen. I mean, it was in the back of the net before Bischel was really reacting. I mean, that, it was, that was a bomb. Uh, and that was in East Lansing, I believe, both games. Uh, I think so. Uh, is Yes. Is this the end of Notre Dame? <laughs> I mean, not as a program, but, like, <laughs> I just – no, no, I just mean, like, for this year because they were kind of on the edge. I mean, I guess, like, you know, they'll come back and they'll get themselves out of it and then they'll beat Michigan because that's what they do every year, but – um, you know, they're, they've dropped to, to 19th, 18th, I think in pairwise, something like that. So they're on the outside looking in right now. They have Michigan in a couple of weeks and I think they, they have a, they're off one week. I'm not sure who they play in their other, in their other series, but maybe Ohio state, um, they may play Ohio state. 
Yeah, so Notre Dame has Ohio State and Michigan remaining. Yeah. And they are now down to... 18th, I think. 18th in pairwise. Um, I mean, there's a path there, right? The thing about... Oh, 17th right now. No, well, they moved up once. The the thing about the Big Ten tournament, right, is that uh, there's enough good teams there that if you close your season strong and you win games the Big Ten tournament, you can move right back up. Yeah, if you get to the semifinal. Yeah, but again, this is something we talked about last week. They're back below 500, so... So they wouldn't even be eligible, right? They need to win some games to yeah. be able to even be eligible in the first and place. And they're basically going to be playing teams that are in the tournament for the rest of yes. the season. Ohio State, Michigan, and then and then they're probably going to be sixth in the Big Ten. So that means you're finishing your year looking at Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State in the first round. Yep, and having to win two of three on the road. Yep. So it's a long haul for them. It's, yep. This is a this is the worst Notre Dame team I've ever seen. But I've only been seeing <laughs> Notre Dame for six, six years. years. Yeah, so. I was going to say. Uh, then the other series, which I predicted was going to be a three three split or a well, three three one one three points each team. Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, Penn State blew a couple two goal leads on Friday and then got the winner late to go up four to three. Even though. OSU sort of outcoursed them in terms of uh, shots, sixty-six to forty-four. And you know who the goalie was for Penn State in that game? Uh, Give you a hint, it was not Soulier. Was it Granin? Noah Granin, who started after Michigan chased Soulier the week before. Uh, I wondered if that was going to be a thing because he, you know, he maybe didn't play the best he's ever played, but got the win. Uh, Soulier ended up playing on Saturday, and OSU won four to two in a pretty tight game that was two two for a while, and they got one uh, later on to to win. I think in the third period, yeah, but four about four and a half minutes left in the game. I was watching this instead of the Michigan game because it, that game was over. Because you're going to be on the the Ohio State Penn State hockey cast. Yeah, uh, it was a, a shot from the point by uh, Cole McWard, the one-time Michigan commit. Oh, okay. And uh, then it got uh, deflected in by uh, Singleton. These on teams the, on the back door just seem similar. I, it, I mean, we've watched them. They're both good. I don't think they have. The, neither one has the high-end talent of Michigan. You, you maybe you think Ohio State is a little better because in a one game, maybe you take Dobish. Um, neither one really has a go-to scorer finisher they just kind of have styles that they play and guys that put the puck in the net when necessary i still think they're going to be limited because of star power but um you know they're both good teams that do what they do well or well enough i don't know yeah right uh we watch them they're not bad teams no they're very similar teams I mean, goal differential-wise, Penn State plus 23, Ohio State plus 31. That's similar ballpark. Yeah. MSU and Notre Dame, by the way, are, are under in the negative. Um, Michigan is plus 26. So all similar ballpark. And you look at the Big Ten chase, which is kind of the last thing to talk about here. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, all tied with 30 points. Penn State and Michigan State, both 20 games played. Michigan and Ohio State, both 18 games played. So yeah. it, advantage for Michigan and Ohio State there from a points percentage standpoint. Uh, the flip side of that coin, though, Penn State and MSU both have four games remaining. Two are against uh, Wisconsin. Yep. So for all intents and purposes, they're at 36 with 22 games to play. Yep. And obviously, if they get upset, that will change things. But I'm just banking on that assumption. That's how we have to approach it. Sure. Michigan State's final two games, then are against Michigan this weekend. So, 
if Michigan beats MSU, I don't know what exactly the tie break is there, but you would essentially be left with both teams at 36 and Michigan four games in hand. Yeah. And at that point, it's, MSU's probably done. I mean, Michigan's going to get a point in their final four games. Notre Dame down at 26 points with four games remaining. Plays Ohio State this weekend. Uh, their maximum points would be 38 if they drop even three points this weekend. Then a Michigan sweep over MSU would eliminate them as well. Yeah. So Michigan can lock up home ice in the first round. Uh, with a sweep this weekend and any I think, small amount of help from Ohio State. I think we're rooting for Notre Dame, though, because Michigan still has Notre Probably. Dame on the schedule at home. Yes. I mean, I'd rather control our own destiny to get the two. Like, home ice is great, but go get the two. Sure. Maybe Minnesota loses out. <laughs> Maybe they get swept by Wisconsin. Wisconsin yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Penn State's final two games besides Wisconsin are Minnesota. That's... Not this weekend, but the weekend. And that's after. in State College, where Minnesota has traditionally struggled. They have some problems there. I mean, I think you're looking at a split in that series. Yeah. So that would leave Penn State hypothetically with 39 points. So again, a Michigan sweep, they're at 36 with four games in hand. So that's why a sweep this weekend is so pivotal. I mean, it really sets you up. A, a split is okay, but it requires those last couple weekends to be pretty, you know, you got to be good. Tense down to the wire. Well, and you're a, going... A sweep this weekend can really make it late early for Ohio State and basically bury everybody else. Which is kind of what Michigan did to Ohio State last year, beating them without all their yep. Olympians. And, and, then, so, and then Ohio State's uh, remaining schedule, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Minnesota. And this is why, to me, also sweeping MSU is so big. Because right, both teams play Notre Dame, and both teams play each other. And those that were other two games, Michigan's against MSU, Ohio State's against Minnesota. So if Michigan sweeps their two, yeah. it just doesn't seem likely that Ohio State's sweeping Minnesota in uh, the Twin Cities. Michigan, so that gives you a leg up right there. Yeah. Extra points to play with when we talk about the head-to-heads with Notre Dame and each other. So speaking of sweeping Michigan State, let's take a look at them. They are 15-13-2, and 9-9-2, two, nine, nine so they're just over 500. They're 14th in pairwise. They were out of it last week and then fought their way back in with their sweep of Notre Dame. So, you know, they're right on the bubble. Uh, 14th is probably the most precarious spot. 16th, you're out. 15th, you're probably out. 14th is like could go either way. You get to 13th and you're like, eh, it's going to take a lot of upsets for us to be out. But they're right there. 22nd in Corsi, you know, okay. Um, their power play or their their special teams numbers are fine. They're 20% on the power play, 81% on the kill. Those are fine to good, I would say. Uh, they have three drafted skaters all in the seventh round. I think we talked about this last time. And they're both, two of the three are the Kriegers, the Kriegers from, like, the 18 draft, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Michigan State is who we've said they are the whole yeah. year. They don't score very much. Um, they get pretty good goaltending from St. Cyr. Uh, let's see, they've taken 991 shots, and they've allowed about that amount, so they're basically break-even. Yeah. Um. And they don't really have star power. Like, no, they have I three mean, guys that are over 0.75 points per game, but they're like 0.83 and 0.8. Yeah, it's and, a lot of ensemble scoring. I mean, yeah. Jagger Joshua's 12 goals, and then everyone else is in single digits. It's a little... a lot in the 9, 8, 7, 6... It's a it's a worse version of Penn State in that sense. Yeah, well, and their shooting percentage is is eight point six percent, which is low. Yeah, no, I mean this is they're they're okay, 
and they're buoyed by playing in a really good conference, and that's what has them in discussion for the tournament. And by the way, that's the other stakes to talk about. Not for Michigan, because uh, our old friend uh, Big Tex was... <laughs> He's a young friend. <laughs> That doesn't sound right either. Uh, from the Michigan Daily, he was looking at the pairwise and basically said that, so if Michigan lost out, they would be 13th going into the Big Ten tournament. And <laughs> so... That's six games. Right. So wins this weekend, like mathematically clinch uh, a, a finish in pairwise, even if you lost out, that would have you avoid yeah. All but like catastrophic tournament shenanigans. Like the problem Lake State winning the CCHA is what would have to come into play in that <laughs> scenario. So you know, this is big for Michigan and the flip side is, from the pairwise perspective, big for MSU. Yeah. Because they sit right near the cut line yep. as we go into this series. They are fourteenth right now. And 14th is that area where you're a little a little nervous, but uh, you know, most years you'll make it, but some years you won't. And, you know, move up another spot or two into that 11, 12, and you're, and you're fine. But fall down two or three spots, and you're in a lot of trouble. And they were on the wrong side of the cut line, at, you know, entering last weekend. They jump over it after beating Notre Dame. They have those Wisconsin games, but that's not going to help you too much. Yep. So it's, this is their big chance before the Big Ten tournament to shore that position up. So they're going to be ready to go. And Michigan, you know, traditionally, maybe not in the last year or so, but... Like, has always had trouble going up to East Lansing. There's always been some extenuating circumstances, whatever. But, like, it's just never been a place that Michigan has continuously gone up and just dominated, even when Michigan State hasn't been good. No. So, But they've already lost a game there this year. Yeah, they have. So they got that one out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if that's how we're doing it, then, I mean, and Michigan's going to be, you know, we'll see about Casey and Truscott. But, you know, if they get one of those two guys back, they're going to be as healthy as they've been consistently almost I, all of the I think a lot of this weekend comes down to goaltending, yeah. where you have St. Cyr, who was really, really good that first time we saw him, and Portillo, who wasn't really. And this is where you need Portillo to be sharper, at least in the Friday game. So he had, Remember, he, he didn't, he had two goofy goals yeah, and then nothing else, well, and they, they lost. He didn't face any chances. Well, yeah, but Michigan also hit, missed like four empty nets yep. or open nets. Right, that's the and, thing. It's about finishing. And, and, and they didn't have Fantilli right? all weekend. Yep. So, so they're bringing Adam Fantilli. Hopefully he'll have seen someone do something mean to Luca. He'll get really, really mad and uh, be ready to go and have like an eight-point weekend. Well, and the other important thing to talk about, because uh, the Saturday game is the duel in the D. Uh, what? <laughs> Brian just loves that. Yeah, anyway. for the iron D. Yeah. Uh, MSU's been... Really, really not great away from home this year. Mm. They are four nine and one on the, uh, anywhere that isn't home. So including the GLI neutral site games, and they are eleven four and one at home. So it's definitely a team that has strong home road splits. They're comfortable in their own building, where they can get it rocking and stuff. So you've got that working against you on Friday, and then in your favor on Saturday in neutral site. And I'm also curious to see. You know, what's the attendance going to be like at Duel in the D? Hmm. This last few years has not been very good, but this year it's the first time in a long time that uh, MSU fans have reasons to show up. So I'm I'm curious to see. That'll be interesting. So Friday night, 7 o'clock on Detroit Sports Extra and on some version of MGO blog slash... On the YouTube channel. Y- it'll be we'll YouTube. We'll put up a post we'll, with we'll, the stream. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit more advertising than just here, but... Um, that'll, that'll start a little bit before the game, and we'll probably talk, and we have some people on the 
that can talk, so. Um, and then Saturday will be 8 o'clock, I think, on ESPNU, so just as Michigan basketball is finishing, you can throw it on your second TV. I forgot Michigan basketball was that night. <laughs> Cast 5.15 for Alex Drain and David Nasternak. Come back next week where presumably the games will be more competitive that they each get their own segment.